0: welcome back everyone to the property journey podcast beginner to expert roy nice to see you again thank you back for another episode mm-hmm. lots of questions lined up um but first thing is uh we had a listener's question come in. um came in from simon simon was wondering how best to choose a
1: mortgage advisor mortgage advisor how to choose one suppose it's like choosing any any trades person or, or, or professional it's first of all uh, go on recommendations so speak to other people who have used mortgage advisors and see who would they recommend but most importantly drill down into why they would recommend them you know it might be something that they were very fast it might be something that they maybe explained the process a bit easier for them or it might be the fact that they're local so just basically as always go on, go on recommendations
0: 100 simon thank you again for your question hopefully that uh, clears that little bit up for you but today roy i wanted to discuss the role of clearly a key person within conveyancing which mm-hmm. is your solicitor yeah now we've we've talked in this um in quite detail in some aspects um of the role which they carry out um some of the things that they do such as what happens on obviously completion dates and and a little bits mm-hmm. like that there but i wanted to drill down into actually what's going on behind behind the scenes Um, all those little bits that we don't see Um, there's a lot a lot you don't see (laughs) because you know when you think about it the conveyance and process is is roughly say 16 weeks you know a solicitor is obviously doing a lot in those 16 weeks since it starts to the finish and maybe the only things we see is you know a certain little piece of that so I wanted to drill down into actually what's going on um. So, like, what is the role
1: of a solicitor in the in the conveyancing process? So the process is the solicitor is there to act on behalf of the buyer to make sure that what they're buying or even what they're selling that the title deeds are correct. So that means that all the history is correct, that it's properly connected to sewers, there's an access ways are correct, um, boundaries, all of those things. And not only is it suitable and right for the buyer but also if you've got a mortgage as well it has to be right for the mortgage company because at the end of the day the mortgage company is putting up generally the vast majority of the the money so there's a lot of work has to be involved to go through all of that and then it has to be bear in mind that a solicitor is dealing with many other transactions at the same time and there's only like one wee task generally that can be done at a time so it's really just juggling juggling everything. like uh, because i've got my notepad down again
0: everyone um full of questions can't wait to get them all asked but you know how does a a solicitor differ from say the other professionals that are involved in the process uh, such as estate agents or or mortgage lenders mortgage advisors you know how does the solicitor differ from them
1: so we all have a role um but we all all those roles are important and they all need to come together so for instance the, the estate agent, their role is, for instance, to, to match up, to marry up a buyer and a seller. And a good estate agent, even though once they have sale agreed on a property, they will continue to liaise with everybody involved to keep the transaction flowing and maybe to answer any queries. The surveyor, then their job is to go out to check the, the, the property, so as to check that you're not paying too much for the property, maybe the structure, is there damp, those sorts of things. And then your mortgage advisor, their job is basically to ultimately get you get you the money in place because without that money, you'll not be able to, yeah, to yeah. buy the house. And I so
0: like and I, probably then from a solicitor's point of view, then they're marrying all that together, and and uh, well, maybe not marrying it all together, but the information
1: anyway, I'm putting it kind of together in that sense. Yes, yeah, so some have, there's some schools of thought whereby everybody each industry just sticks to their own and that doesn't technically work too well or, or you know doesn't always run smoothly my view is that everybody should work together as a team but most importantly to keep boundaries as to what their role is so they're, they're not maybe overstepping into each other's task too much like an example you know sometimes there's maybe a, a renegoti- renegotiation of the price or something maybe the valuer has come in and said the price is, is too high or too low or what have you, you know, that's probably fed back to the solicitor. That's not really the role of a solicitor to then start negotiating prices. So that could be something that's passed back to the, the specialists who are the estate agents who to negotiate uh, prices. Likewise, if a title issue comes in, well, then that's up to the, the specialties of the solicitors to negotiate and discuss discuss to discuss that.
0: So, like, and, and, like, what would the initial steps be um for a solicitor so you know as you say there obviously the, the first steps taken by a buyer or a seller is that their their house has been sold mm-hmm. you know agreed or, or it's being bought agreed depending on what side of the the process that you're on but what what's the initial steps for a solicitor you know but is it setting up a case is
1: it so Once a a buyer and a seller have been married up, the estate agent then notifies everybody and they send out a memo of that. That at that point then instructs all the solicitors that's involved. So that instructs the the buyer solicitor and the seller solicitor and we know who's, who's acting for who. So at that point then the solicitors start to open up their files. If they're acting for the seller, then at that point they need to start getting all the paperwork together, which is title deeds and different documents, you know like maybe energy performance certificate different certificates for works that have been done to the house things like that and those documentation you know, it's not just as straightforward as yes i'll go and lift them and, and yeah, send them yeah, yeah. that those documents are maybe sitting with a mortgage company that could take four or five weeks for that information to come in there's all the documents that come in from local government departments that could take a couple of weeks as well so you're pacing that all together as a seller solicitor to then send it over to the buyer's solicitors in an ideal world that would all be done in one go but we're in an industry where people want to see progress and it's just basically it's got like one touch on everything so simply everything's just drip fed through to the buyer's solicitor and then the buyer's solicitor then it's their job to go to go through all that paperwork and to check it and to ensure that it's right then to make sure it's suitable to the needs of the buyer and to the lender and.
0: What would you, you know, like, so how, how do you go about, and this might sound like a silly question to you, but like, how do you go about, say, you know, verifying the, like the legal status of a property, you know, whether it's legally saying someone's name or,
1: you know. There's a couple of ways to answer that. So generally that's the specialty of a conveyancer you're trained and, and you with your experience and with your knowledge, what, what to look for and what potential pitfalls to work for, uh, to, to look out for. But generally we go through, there's different uh, formats within our industry where, or guides and terms and rules, whatever you want to call it, whereby that we can go through and you basically check everything, check everything off. And that's basically, if that's all checked off, that should be, that should be uh, perfect.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's essentially what you would describe as legal then. Yes, yes. you know and i suppose in terms of the title deeds and ownership because you obviously hear a lot you know for some people they'll look at me and kind of go you don't know what title Mm -hmm. deeds are but there's a vast majority of people are first-time buyers Mm -hmm. out there that are maybe don't understand what title Mm -hmm. deeds are maybe you know what the actual ownership of the house is um you know, how does this lister verify the, the title deeds or the ownership history? I know you had mentioned it there, but the ownership history, you know, like what way does that
1: all kind of come in or? Well, maybe just to, that's a good, good comment to make there. Title deeds, title deeds is a phrase that is all of the paperwork linked to the house in very simple format, uh, all of the history of the property. So I'm not too sure what, what some perspective on that is for buyers, but from a legal point of view, title deeds could literally be a bundle of paper that height of of documents of all the ownership, all the certificates, all the works that's been done to the house, um, has changed hands between different people. Like for instance, a new build property, the title deeds, the title pack comes in, on average is normally easily four or five inches high of paperwork.
0: And that's, that's for a new build? That's
1: for the likes of a new build. Now, you know, It could be more than that for for a pre-owned house, it could be less than that. So the point I'm trying to make is it's it's a lot of paperwork to go through. So sometimes a buyer hears that the solicitor has title deeds and that they've arrived in on a Monday. And it's an expectation whereby, well, you've got the deeds, let me come in on Tuesday or let me come in on Monday afternoon to sign. But how long would it take take a person to read four inches of, of paperwork? To go through you know meticulously, metho- meticulously yeah, methodically yeah. to check that it's all correct um because if it's not done correct it, it would have serious financial ramifications
0: I know, because that's that's where you know as, as you say there very easily someone could think of title deeds. as maybe like one page mm. you know like a certificate nearly that, yes. that that's kind of that's what it is i get the same name on it and away oh, you go where yeah. you go whereas as you're saying there if you maybe are buying, for example, a pre-owned house that has lots of work done, maybe renovations done, mm-hmm. things built in, upgrades been done, to, whether it's sewer lines or whatever it happens to be. then that's all documented and that and all comes yes. in, in that pack then. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Which you as a solicitor have to go
1: through and verify everything. Yeah. And that has to be jotted into your, your, your daily workflow, which also consists of taking phone calls and uh, meeting with clients. And just general emails as yeah. well as doing doing that as well to go through maybe four or five hundred pages just, worth of, of documents yeah,
0: so uh, and that's a task on its own yeah uh, you know that would nearly take me the sixteen <laughs> weeks to try and get through never never mind everything else in the process um and so like if that's the title deeds and ownership I've I've also noted down there sort of the contracts and negotiations um how does this lister handle the the contract drafting
1: or the negotiation process so the contract side of things uh, it's up to the seller solicitor to prepare the contract but it's basically it's a, a standard templated contract provided by by the law society and that's sent through from the seller to the buyer and it automatically includes all the items all the documents that need to be in place so very simply a contract can be signed very early on and it's automatically you know subject to what what is needed. Now, a lot of solicitors in the industry probably would prefer and hold off that wee bit longer until they get to see quite a few of the documents. And then they arrange for the the client, the buyer to come in to sign. So the the buyer will sign the contract. In In our legal industry, that's known as an offer. So they're making an offer to purchase the property. Then the contract is released to the seller and then the seller countersigns it. And that's then accepting the offer now there been a lot of confusion people talk about exchanging of contracts but an exchange of contract is an english process it's not it's a completely different process in england compared to here so once a seller signs or accepts a contract that's it it's binding and there's no no going back at that point by so either parties by either the seller or the buyer
0: so essentially the seller wants their their names on the, once, the they've, once they've
1: scribbled it that's it and
0: um, this might again sound stupid, but what what what's in a contract? You know, like what kind of like is there is there any clauses or conditions or things that people should look out for? Is there you know, I know you're saying it's a basic
1: template. Yes. It's it's very difficult to explain because it's it's a document that naturally consists of about twenty pages of, of conditions. So to try and summarize that in, in two minutes is very difficult. But ultimately it, it probably sets out expectations, I think that's the best way of putting. what's the expectations of the seller, what documents they have to provide, uh, what uh, they have to disclose about the property, what the, and then also from the buyer point of view make them aware of what possibly may not be disclosed and therefore what's their obligations and what safety checks should they be doing to keep themselves right. That
0: might be the next episode of the podcast. We'll just get a contract, 20 and page contract, contract. <laughs> 20 page contract, and we'll go through it. Um, because it is interesting sometimes that's what I'm saying that you know, a lot of people sometimes get a contract set down in front of them and they'll just sign it. Mm. You know, I've seen it done before and I've seen the ramifications of that, which haven't been great at the end because they haven't realized what they've just signed. Um, and as I say for, for myself, I sometimes you don't realize actually maybe what's what's in these documents. Nice um but in terms of then because you hear about land registry as well Mm -hmm. um and from a time of yourself it's only something that i've kind of picked up on as well but so like where does land registry come into that because i know that as a solicitor you have to then uh register if it's um the process continues then you have to register with Land Registry. What, mm-hmm. what do they do and, and what's the
1: rules of uh, in that? So once a transaction completes, so as in once the keys have been handed over, at that point then the, the ownership needs to be registered. So it's registered at Land Registry. So Land Registry is a central body where basically every piece of property in the country is registered to. So that means they have full records of everything. So quite simply, you could pick a property and they can provide you all the information they can give you the the map for the property they can give you the the ownership who owns it it can give you as much information as all previous owners what they paid for it it lists out what, what rights of ways, what easements what access is available for properties contains all of that and that's generally done after the buyer has got their keys and the time frame for that to be registered it could be could be anything from a few weeks to a few months it just depends on the on the workload but it's the solicitor's role to prepare the paperwork for that registration and then it's passed to land registry basically just to, to register it to register
0: it i suppose the way that you're described it there it nearly looks like google earth is it is that kind of where i'm seeing it where you know you kind of see your site sitting and and the boundary lines out round it then
1: Coincidentally, yes, Land Registry has a facility, so the likes of a solicitor can log in and we refer to it as a map overview. Now, it's not it's not as detailed as it's like Google, as it Google satellite, yeah. but it is simply a aligned map so you can see the, the property boundaries and roadways and things like that. And you can just move the map around and then you can click on it, which then provides you more detailed information.
0: And I, I, do, I think I'm just realizing that I might have missed a couple of my questions that maybe comes before um obviously the likes of land registry and stuff but uh
1: it was what
0: are what are property searches um that a solicitor takes
1: so there's, there's a couple of things that there's property certificates which I've talked about before so they come from uh, two departments the local local council for that area and then the, the, the regional uh, property certificate from the formerly doe is what everybody yeah. knows it as. So they will switch so those to dep- each of those property certificate departments will then reach out to a number of departments that they're in control of. So the likes of the council one will reach out to the building control, and they'll reach out to trading sta- standards and environmental issues and things like that. the The regional property certificate will reach out to departments such as the planners, the the road service, the uh, the water service, all of those and they pull together there's a set number of questions Mm -hmm. and they pull all that information together into one certificate so for that one certificate that one person is in control of preparing it's then sent out to maybe 10 12 other departments so they're waiting on those 12 departments to get that information back to that central person to then issue that certificate so that in itself can take Quite some time.
0: Yeah, uh, and I just because I remember in it, and I remember that I, we've talked about that before, but I just wanted to address that because that was something obviously that a solicitor does do. Um. So. Obviously, we've we've talked about contracts, um, land registry, title deeds, all that kind of stuff. But how does uh? Because I think you mentioned it before. Obviously, you've got your your mortgage advisor and they're advising people on probably the sums of money that they can go and borrow from a mortgage lender. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned previously that solicitors have to be registered with mortgage lenders to be able to represent yes. them. So like, how does a solicitor collaborate with that
1: mortgage lender? So yeah, a solicitor has to be on the panel for, for a lender. So lenders will have criteria as to what, firms they want to actually act for them and it might be something to do with you know the different criteria it might be the number of transactions you do in a year it might be something to do with how many partners you have in your company th- those sorts of things and basically what's happening or what, what happens is the bank then approves that solicitor to act for them and it's really then there's a set of rules between what the bank expect yeah. for a property transaction the solicitor then needs to follow those And if there's any issues, then they must flag it up with the lender for the lender to confirm that they're happy to to proceed. Uh,
0: Because I suppose then would you say that you would be obviously as the transaction progresses, you would have to be in contact with that mortgage lender to let them know sort of how the the process is is going?
1: Generally not, because they they give you those set of rules and it's up to the solicitor to basically to protect the bank. So the solicitor will go through the vast majority of transactions without ever contacting the bank. But if they run into a title issue or a title query, then they might want to run it past and get authority from the bank to say, listen, this is the problem. This is what we feel that the risks are. Are you happy enough to proceed? Do you think is there a risk? Or are you happy? And then the bank go on ahead. Really, the only contact between a, a solicitor and a bank is the, the latter stages which is basically requesting the money. So you have to do like a report, what's known as a reporting title to the bank where the solicitor is signing off that everything is perfect and then to send the money. And that takes, that can take a number of days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, We've talked about completion dates before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone into great detail on them. Um, Obviously, they're decided the further on the process is, you know, there's no point panicking about them. And obviously the task, uh, for the solicitor is to ensure that the mortgage lender, um, the estate agent and the solicitors are all on board mm-hmm. um to be able to decide that date. So obviously once that's happened, is there like a finalization or finalization of paperwork in and around the completion date
1: or, you know, kind of what's the solicitor doing within Within the final stages, then the solicitor is just really pulling together the money. So it's just making sure maybe obviously the contract signed, everybody is sitting ready. It's just, as I say, getting the money together. So if the the buyer has a help to buy ISA, they need to get that applied for, or if there's a lifetime lifetime ISA, that needs to be applied for, getting the client's uh, deposit money in, getting their mortgage money in, ensuring that the house is insured, there's a copy of the policy there. And then releasing that over to the seller solicitor. The seller solicitor is then doing the reverse of that. They have to get a final figure from the outgoing mortgage company to make sure that whenever they get money in, that there's there's enough money there to pay off that mortgage.
0: Is there any common challenges um, from a solicitor's point of view that you would get within a process? Obviously, no... Convenience and process is going to be plain on there's obviously going to be hiccups but is there any like real common ones Uh, you know for example can you run any problems with getting your certificates can you you know is there boundary problems sometimes like is there any challenges that you kind of you would maybe say are common
1: generally there's a a couple that, that have flagged up fairly recently and that would be maybe in some management company or sorry some developments there's a management company which we can talk about another day, but that's basically a company that's responsible for looking after all the, the common areas, the grass areas or what have you in a development. And in some occasions that management company has went bust so they're in administration or they're, they're liquidated, that causes a title issue. And if that's something that's flagged up or raised up, it's a matter of how do the solicitors deal with that? And there's maybe two or three schools of thought on that. Um, we've had one recently where a house came with a 10 year guarantee but the guarantee just wasn't actually suitable for the, the lender. So we had to then look about getting a new guarantee put in place. But generally, if I was to say out of 10 transactions, a good seven should run fairly fairly smoothly from a title point of view. Mm-hmm. You normally find if there are any bumps in the road with a transaction, it's really down to more personal issues, like maybe uh, people having you know, difficulties with dates, um more importantly maybe somebody if there's a chain that, that generally causes more problems than trying to get everybody lined up
0: yeah like we've discussed that previously about the the chain of transactions where if you're waiting on one person and they're slow or not by any means their fault but if mm. the transaction is slowed down the next one can not proceed and the one after that can not proceed because you're waiting on, exactly. on the start of the chain yeah um and like and in terms of costs and fees I obviously don't, i don't want exact figures because you probably can't get exact figures different companies or different solicitors will charge different prices but like is there a, what you would describe as a typical fee or is it a case of you pay for what you're getting
1: it's a very very difficult question to to answer Um, there, generally quite a few solicitors in an area would have have an average price but ultimately our industry is like like any other industry. You know, you have you have firms that maybe specialize in a particular field, and ultimately, you know, they're going to have you know they better trade well. They should have better trained staff, better technology, better processes. So that all takes cost. So that's a maybe slightly higher cost that the buyer or the seller is paying for.
0: Because I know previously we had discussed, uh, you know, choosing your solicitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Obviously, not deciding on the solicitor that your granny used maybe 30 years ago because they might not be as active in the convincing and You know, your granny might have gone and got her will done, mm-hmm. but didn't get convincing done. They might not have the same rapport as what you would with that solicitor, as maybe what she had with that solicitor. I don't know, we've discussed that um, in detail so. Like, uh, and that's where i was considering you know is it a case of if you're going for a specialist clearly you're going to pay for a specialist mm-hmm. you know that it's like any other industry if you've got a specialist and something nine times out of ten they're going to be slightly dear but you know exactly what you're getting
1: it has to be something it's all and it comes back to expectations of of a client if a client is looking to simply just use a solicitor and say, right, I want you to deal with this transaction. I leave it in your hands and just you contact me whenever you need me. Well, then that's all well and good. And you'd probably find that the cost of that would be fairly reasonable. But where there is a big fall down is buyers expect that costing, but yet they don't want to leave it to the solicitor just to deal with it in their time. They would like to prefer that, you know, the the one to one the the phone calls the emails the updates the contact so naturally that is using a considerably more amount of resources so if you phone up at the start and get a costing you need to get a costing to say well is that just you doing the work and will that include contacting me speaking with me meeting with me and then hitting those expectations more like a personalized approach as such yes so don't be if you're if you're asking if you're choosing a solicitor simply on price it's very very dangerous you need to be contacting them for what level of service that you want
0: yeah 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 and i suppose that's nearly that again that reference it back to any anything that's that's what you get when you're paying for a level of expertise yeah um one of the one of the questions that i found quite interesting was how is technology changing conveyance and you know, is there new applications out there? Is there, you know, different things that are happening now with processes? You
1: know, is
0: there portals out there? What's, you know, how how you use
1: technology? Probably, been? there's there's always been technology in the industry. It's a matter of it probably hasn't been fully utilized for years. So for instance, uh, more and more firms are, are starting to use case management software. So that means it's a central system all the documents are, are saved there, they're populated there, they're generated there. And it's a very efficient way to, to actually run, run a business. But a considerable number of firms don't have a case management system. The industry has very recently moved towards uh, technology. So the likes of communication between banks has now moved towards portals and emails and requesting deeds and figures and money is all through portal systems as well. Even those documents that we talked about there, the likes of the property certificates, most councils are now on board with an online portal system where you log in and you generate that as well. So it's just really a matter of solicitors getting caught up with with those processes. And thankfully, literally in the last two to three years, a lot of solicitors have moved to using more emails. Mm -hmm. whereas it used to be considerable amount of post and phone calls and things like that for communication whereas now it's just emails just the difficulty is that that has been a rapid change and my opinion is some firms are struggling to to adopt that's that rapid change
0: and probably not only that as well i suppose one way of looking at it is is the influx of emails coming in it could be quite difficult and very easily missed yes you know emails coming in and, and not realizing that they're they're sitting in your inbox nice. you know it's well and I, i've said this is uh, before you know I, I actually even called social media a, a, a necessary evil yeah. um but in in terms of technology it can be quite daunting one mm-hmm. two it can be it can be beneficial but as well as that it can have its you know its
1: detriment oddly enough modern technology has slowed down the process so um, without showing my age i can remember training and starting out in the industry emails were very very rare and most of your your, your communication came in by post and it was actually quite nice you had a big pile of post and you worked through it and you could see what you still had to do yeah if you sent an email you sent an email and you maybe got a reply 12 hours later from a client and everything kind of worked nice and Smoothly and actually flowed. Whereas now, as you say, emails just literally, if you turned on my laptop at the minute, it would just constantly ping, ping, ping. There could be easily, I could get about 200 emails in a day. So even just to sit down and go through my emails could be six hours gone. So it's not uncommon for something to be missed. And then if you send an email to somebody, it's basically replied to almost instantly. Yeah and it's becoming from an email which is an electronic mail to a chat facility and that is just consuming staff so that they're not actually spending the time on a transaction to move it forward they're spending their time and just simply you know informing
0: like i I think i actually had this discussion and i I mean this even in a general overview as you say there emails become more like a chat facility whereas previously you would have written an email with every point that you wanted to address yeah knowing that you get one response back and yes. it covers everything rather than you know a couple of sentences here and a couple of sentences there and, exactly. and, and the chain keeps going yes you know as you say if you were going to send a letter think of an email like sending a letter you know yeah. it's and, and and that's the difficulty with modern society now is is that everything's instant uh, and i think sometimes we we, we kind of forget what's going on maybe on the other side of that that you know expectation you know people are still working people are trying to get things done there's only enough hours in the day to be able to try and, and do that um what would be your advice for a buyer what would be your advice for a seller um from us from a solicitor's point of view
1: from solicitor's point of view definitely from a, a buyer is definitely be cautious to pick what solicitor first of all to make sure that they suit your needs and your desires and then trust them fully you know it's it's not like to put it into context a lot of people choose a solicitor by price so they'd phone round and they just expect everybody to do the same and the same and they get a price but then there could be quite a few phone calls and emails between the buyer and, and the, the solicitor wanting to know what's going on. So if you compare that to bringing in a painter, yes, a painter can, can paint a room and they're going to give you a price for it. But then, are you then going to bring the painter in and say, right, well, I want to know where you're getting the paint from and I'll phone up the supplier to see when are you going to get the paint? And you've painted that bit there. Why have you only used that? And you've know, basically taken up their time to explain what they're doing. Yeah, It's yeah. going to slow that all down. So if it's slowing it down, taking them longer that's not going to be as profitable for them whereas if you bring in a tradesman you go on expectations or sorry you go on recommendations to suit what you need they're coming in they're going to do the job you trust them and that's it done
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and then just so of a buyer from a seller point of view is probably the best advice is a uh, get speaking to the solicitor very very early uh, in the transaction if not before so if you're getting the house prepared for sale, speak to your solicitor then, and you can sit down with your solicitor and say, right, I'm thinking about selling my house, it's going on the market. The solicitor can get the title deeds applied for, which normally take four or five, six weeks, and that speeds that up. They can sit down with you and say, right, well, what have you done? Have you done any work to the house? Have you changed the boiler? Have you put an extension on? Right, well, you're gonna need this paperwork, these certificates, and that's all done. So literally, it's what's known as front loading. So that once the house has gone through the bidding process and the, the agreed stage it's literally means the solicitor sitting with all the paperwork ready to go
0: similar to is uh, i think you described it as a if you're looking to buy a house speaking to a mortgage advisor
1: you know yeah pre that's all the things that you need to do to front load that and likewise yes the seller needs to, yeah. Yeah. to front load it
0: um the final question then is is future trends um do you see the role of solicitors changing in conveyancing? Do you see any maybe changes in the industry surrounding kind of the, the, the conveyancing process? Is there any challenges?
1: Well, firstly, challenges at the minute would be staffing. So we, you know, there's a shortage. There's a massive shortage at the minute. And our, the, the role is very complex. It's made up of so many moving parts that to bring somebody in new to train them it's an incredibly long process and takes a lot of time so there's a lot of investment in time by a company traditionally the industry was built with secretaries but you know there's no secretaries being trained nowadays there's no training courses there's no you know attacks and things like that so there's fewer and fewer people coming in to the industry and then with that there's been a change in Technology. There's quite a big uh, evolution of technology, and it's a matter of whether the current staff in the industry are willing to to evolve. And then the third challenge is basically workload and the stress. It comes back to what is you. Know, it's all about the expectations of the client. In the industry, there's a lot of people, a lot of buyers and sellers getting too heavily involved in the transaction without putting trust in their in their solicitor simply because they're they're not being patient enough so that means that's putting a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on on companies on solicitor firms uh,
0: and and they try and work under that is, is difficult enough you know they they have a load of cases for example or processes or or uh, transactions that are currently ongoing mm-hmm. to then have the added stress of people can consistently asking what's going on and, and I, you, look you can understand it as well especially you know if you're a first-time buyer you maybe have one through the process before you maybe do have questions but as you say if if you had a, an email that had a list of 12 questions it's easier to go through 12 questions than to deal with one yeah. and then 20 minutes later deal with an hour and 20 minutes sure. later deal, deal with an hour question very easily you could look at them and within 10 minutes you've replied to all the questions and bang it. you know it, it's done and dusted you know and, and again i think it is that instant response that instant i need to know the the information and the knowledge now is so readily accessible mm-hmm. that sometimes people don't realize that. This is your job you know what you're doing you've done it now for many years yes. you know i do this on a daily basis i know kind of what i'm doing yeah. and i know how to do it yeah. you know and as i say that like you know someone in your perspective has seen everything mm-hmm. so you already can see it you know and how it's going to pan out right. so it, it will get done yeah
1: and that's that's why we have I've, I've identified this trend and this this the difficulty and i've invested thousands probably tens of thousands in software over the last five, six years. My team are always always <laughs> shouting at me because I'm always, how can we make this better? How can we improve it? How can we make it? How can we make the workload easier for the team? I always I always say to the team all the time, Let's, how can we work smarter, not harder? And we've went through maybe two or three different softwares over the last couple of years, going from having software specifically built to suit our workflow and it's made a massive massive improvement and then likewise the clients can log in and they can see at each stage where we have completed
0: yeah yeah and again it's a positive um aspect for technology but at the same time you know there is detrimental effects to it as well it's finding the, the right balance yeah. and and as you say it probably does come back to trusting your solicitor to do the job that they're meant to be doing yeah well that's all my questions for this week um, thank you Chris there's your, there's your bi-weekly uh, or weekly grilling <laughs> um, over the next uh, couple of weeks as, as we've already discussed we're hoping going to get a couple of guests in um, we got to get grill them uh, hopefully shortly we'll have them on the podcast as well we're just working on the details of that um, but for now thank you all for listening again thank you Roy for thank you giving your brilliant answers as always and uh, we shall be back shortly with the next episode.